Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And Batman Beyond Mark. And this is Adam. I'm back. The guys didn't fire me. <laughs> He's back. Did you listen to the last episode where I basically said that you did the podcaster's version of striking out? Well, so to be honest with you, I've listened to uh, where you guys covered like three and 3.1, but I've not covered or three point, you know, the, the first two of the four that we were going to cover. I've not listened to the second one yet, so I've got it queued up. I'm a bad listener. Well, you're out, Mark and possibly Luke are in. Ah, dang. <laughs> well, I'm the one that pays the uh, hosting fees, so we'll have to figure something out. We'll we'll keep you around for for that, for that. credit. I'm okay, okay. I, I'm the producer now. I like that. Welcome yeah, yeah. to Almighty Podcast with my hosts, uh, you know, Batman Beyond Mark Adkins, and I'm the producer, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the pockets. I'm just gonna sit back and listen to you two talk now, so that way uh, I can produce. <laughs> Well, we are. We have something to celebrate before we get into um, these these chapters. We're covering uh, chapters four, five, and six of the team up missions, or the Tums, as Mark uh, so affectionately likes to refer to them as. And not only Mark, but people inside of the uh, the manga as well. But Mark and Luke celebrated a bit of a milestone this week. Yes, uh, despite the fact that we've been on a, a hiatus for for getting upsettingly close to a year now, um, our fourth anniversary from uh, our first episode coming out uh, was on the 19th. That's awesome. Congratulations. That'll be uh, easy for me to remember because that's my mom's birthday. That works out then. Yeah. So every time my mom gets older, so too does Hero Notes Pod. And I'll just uh, <laughs> shoot you a little note. Congrats on the next anniversary. But yeah, four years, that's big. What We did, uh, we reached our third this year, I believe. Just, just don't go on a long hiatus after a couple weeks after <laughs> okay. the third. Just, it's not a, it's not a good plan. Well, we haven't done so so far. I think our third anniversary was sometime in March. So, yeah. What's uh, crazy, even go. though we're not technically affiliated with them anymore, uh, on my like OneDrive, you know, it shows you the like pictures of past or whatever. Uh, four years ago, I had received the proofs for the Back Patio Network's uh, emblems or like their symbols. So, the concepts have been around for a while, and that's that's pretty crazy. I would have thought the BPM was around longer than that. I'm shocked by the four year on that, I guess. Yeah, I was too, but I think it lines up when I actually sit down and like look and think about dates. So I just thought that was kind of a fun little fun fact for any uh, BPM long timers that are listening. Yeah, and we know we've got several. Uh, we've got several folks in our Discord channel on the BPN's Discord uh, site that are big fans, not just of what we're doing uh, tangentially related to and affiliated with BPN, but also what BPN is putting out. Well, let's jump into missions four, five, and six. Uh, these are whole chapters, each featuring a new quote-unquote team of, of people. We'll, we'll talk about why I'm putting that in, in some mild air quotes here shortly. But the first one, mission number four, is called Those Who Commune with the Abyss. And we do have this, I really like uh, this art of Kuroiro or Kuroiro and Tokoyami. I think it looks and Don't super forget good. Dark Shadow. Yeah, Dark Shadow uh, looming, of course, behind oh, and above so Tokoyami. It's really cool. Cover who is art. backlit by a moon? It just looks super dope. It does. It looks it, super cool. And and because of given like the type of powers they have, evening the grayscale, it looks really really good because it, it just really looks does. like he's kind of like melting out of the shadows. Oh, oh looks so yeah! Good. And Dark Shadow in front of the moon, man, that's yes. so cool. It just looks so cool. And not just Dark Shadow, like big dark not like berserk dark shadow but 
big dark shadow. This feels like something uh, like it could be easily like a Batman cover. Like I feel like this is uh, I don't want to say a rip, but almost like an homage to some older Batman covers of uh, like him standing on top of Gotham's rooftops, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see, see that. that as like Robin or a Nightwing. Yeah, and Dark Shadow is there. almost uh like I'm gonna say that he's he's kind of a symbol close to Batman's cape. You know, like I think that's a every artist that's ever drawn Batman has done his his cape kind of differently. And something about Dark Shadow in this reminds me of just that like ominous cape look that he occasionally, especially like those old McFarlane uh, front covers. You know? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it does smack of um of McFarlane a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. I would also say that there's a little bit of McFarlane looking uh, costumes in the, uh, the the hero that we run into uh, later on in this uh, chapter as well. Um, yes. Specifically, his like giant collar is very spawn. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say, it is concerning how large the moon is, though. It is. It is rather large. It's not on the first page. <laughs> it's just like a little sliver yeah, of a like, waning um, moon. Um, that, that moon is, no, I was talking about like uh, from the, the two page spread. Right. Right. Like that moon is concerningly large. (laughs) Maybe, uh, maybe the kid from, uh, was it movie number two who could make projections is just doing them a favor for this photo opportunity and projecting a rather large moon behind them just for the gram, you know? Okay. No, that makes sense. We start this chapter off with Midoriya puzzling over a blank piece of paper that was delivered to him, presumably, uh, in, an epi- uh, in an envelope that is labeled Tom, uh, as I'm sure Mark, Mark adored. Uh, I was going to point it out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't, I wanted so bad to figure out what Midoriya's shirt actually says. Uh, it, it, we don't see it in any of the pages. Um, it looks kind of like it says suffer to me. Uh, but that doesn't fit Midoriya. <laughs> I like to think that maybe he's like borrowing a Bakugo shirt or something. That could, well, mm, I don't know that he would take a shirt from Bakugo. I, I don't know that Bakugo would let him have a shirt. Right, right. Maybe it, It's <laughs> yeah. not even would he take the shirt. Sure he would. <laughs> would he be allowed to have it? No. But Bakugo yeah. doesn't know. <laughs> uh, but he's puzzling over this blank piece of paper. Uh, he can't figure out who sent it. I don't know why it's addressed, I guess, just to him or how it was put into his hands. Um, yeah, but... I thought that was weird, too, because Tokoyami approaches and is just like, well, hey, what's going on here? Like, you know, Tokoyami it... doesn't approach. Is he standing there looking out the open window, maybe the window? And he's just he just turns around and is like, what's going on? Well, that he kind of fits brooding. with the uh, the edge lord theme that they've given us for this chapter. Yes. But it seems strange that he didn't also receive his own blank paper, considering. Uh, yeah, exactly. We find out. Oh, it's absolutely just it's like, what is happening? Why are the few rules that we have are entirely thrown out this chapter. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Mark, you've even mentioned that a few times, like in regards to the Tums chapters in general, is that just like the rules don't apply here? <laughs> like like hey, consistently. And now their own rules don't apply. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if Midoriya had never figured this out, they just never would have done the mission. No. Well, and he's not even the one who figures it out. For some reason, Tokoyami figures it out immediately. There's no puzzling over it at all. They, he immediately produces a lighter uh, and is able to, like, reveal the invisible ink. Um, I was like, man, what a strange, um, like, who rushes to that particular? And there's no, like, connection to him and the sender of this letter that he would be like, 
oh yeah, he usually does this. And so this is how you fix this problem. You know, like it just comes out of nowhere. I would say that part doesn't bother me as much because that's, I mean, that's a trope. That's a fictional trope. It's you have a blank piece of paper or something with a secret message. One of the first things to try is always putting a flame or some amount of heat behind it to see if it changes like invisible ink or lemon juice, like to a different color so it can be red. Uh, My first thought was that if he knew that fast, it means he also has ink that you have to activate with fire or something like he's which is very edgy. Yeah, like it totally fits the motif of what they're going for for this chapter. So I just kind of figured like, oh, he knows because he probably sends letters like this or writes in a journal like this or something. I was going to say, there's also a thing where initially I was like, oh, it's weird that he would just have a like a lighter and be allowed to have a lighter. And then I'm like, wait, his entire thing, like even his room because of dark shadow, like they have to like he has lights in his room. He sleeps with some amount of lights on so that dark shadow isn't a problem at night. Yeah, he would have little ways of producing light on him casually if in case he needed it that. Yeah. Yeah, that follows. Um, so they reveal the ink, uh, and it just says, Chosen Ones uh, meet in the abyss on the eve of the full moon, and it's Midoriya, Tokoyami, and Kuroiro who are summoned. And if you look in the bottom right of that particular panel, you'll see, too, that these guys get directions to where they're supposed to go. Specific um, directions. Yeah, that, that will come up and be relevant in a, a later chapter on this episode. Um, so it is the three of those, uh, the, those three guys meeting together, and we get this page where Tokoyami and Kuroiro are featured with uh, Midoriya in a little bubble of his own, where Tokoyami says, such is destiny's choice for us all, and Kuroiro says, an intriguing turn of events. These these guys we haven't seen together since the uh, the interclass uh, battles from, what well, was that season four? Or was it five? It was this past season. It was yeah, five. It was, this past season. It was the, fir- it was first, the half. first half. Yeah. And I, I'm curious what you guys think. Did Kuroiro receive a letter, or did they have to go get him? I think that I this was just a one letter, and it's I don't done. know, and I guess it was, like, you just happened to send it to the one person who might not have been able to figure it out themselves. So so this brings up a whole thing that we'll get into, once again, with, with Chapter 5, but doesn't make sense. So it, it seems like this guy wrote his own team-up letter. So it's like, oh, hey, you have to do stuff with these students, you know, let them know. As opposed to the other chapters where it really felt like it was, you know, basically a form kind of letter more or less from the, uh, you know, the, the hero. Uh, oh, I'm blanking. The, the hero association. association. Yeah. Um, sent to them being like, hey, you are to meet some, you're to meet the hero, like this hero. You and these other students will be meeting this hero this time on this date for this, like for this period uh, for a team up mission. Whereas this one, it's like, it, it, does that mean this is a fake team-up mission? And he stole, the, he stole the stationary? What is going on? We will never get answers. I like that, that idea better than believing that this has anything official about it. Because there is no mission, and it's a really odd pairing. <laughs> like, what the hell is Midoriya doing in this, honestly? Because otherwise He's people... He's Yeah, I was gonna say, people wouldn't have cared otherwise. <laughs> I, I also kind of feel like there, like if there was a smash volume that could make fun of this, there would totally be uh, one of those little strips where uh, the edgelord hero sends out this note and then nobody shows up because, you know, maybe Tokoyami wasn't around to help Midoriya figure this out or something. This this entire thing reads like it should have been a, a smash, like yep. a smash chapter. Uh, yeah, it kind of uh, does. I would say that the next chapter does as well. 
chapter five. The thing is, is that that one, that one would probably have been better, but it's still fine. This one, it's like there, there's no level of this one that isn't improved by the Smash format. Yeah. Well, they they are making their way uh, towards this uh, this hero who has summoned them, uh, with Tokoyami making comments about how his and Kuroiro's fates have been intertwined, and uh, they're both those who commune with the abyss. And Midoriya is just an audience to all of this. So he's just like these two have a unique approach to life. He's he is definitely the third wheel, the odd man out, uh, the the person who should not have been in this chapter at all. Um, but they <laughs> they do arrive uh, at this crazy looking door. Uh, and or it's a gate. They call it a gate. Um, and they having no idea who summoned them with Hebrew all over it. And I'm like, is this is this like a Full Metal Alchemist level? Like we're we're pulling from a lot of different things. And yes, if you look at like the the big kind of tree on the the uh, uh, Edward's door, yeah, there's Hebrew on there because there's there's alchemic stuff that uses uh, Hebrew letters. But this it's just like this is just all. Hebrew and some of it's counting and some of it's just I'm like why are these letters together they don't say anything it's kind of a nice yeah, catch I, I thought those were all yeah. Roman numerals so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Jewish I pick up on these things and yeah I'm like nope that that is all entirely Hebrew without any other types of glyphs why are they here not all of those are words or they're at least not words that I recognize I don't pretend to be fluent I've been learning Hebrew, and I, I totally overlooked uh, <laughs> these symbols. I was just like, eh, not English, and I moved on. <laughs> oh, there's a couple of them that are written backward. Oh, that's weird. Super strange. Uh, but they do finally meet the, the quote-unquote hero who has summoned them for a quote-unquote mission, uh, and he, he beckons them in to a room that just screams human sacrifice to me there's like a giant pentagram yes. on the floor <laughs> yeah i thought this was kind of lit strange. only by candles there are priests uh there's a giant cage a and a coffin <laughs> it there's feels, a skull it kind of feels like you could encounter this uh character as like either an npc or a boss in any castlevania game uh, yeah or just like a, a really early boss in certain type like a shin Megami tensei totally yeah yeah um, I, I'm just like, why do you have a worse version of Roy Mustang's gloves on? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> he goes by Odd Eye, and his hero name is the Edgelord Hero Odd Eye. Um, I did look uh, him up on the wiki. This is the only thing that he's in. He's so, like, unknown that Midoriya doesn't even recognize him. Which is saying something. Yeah, right. Uh, it is interesting, too, in the trivia section on his page, it says that Adai's hero title is Chuni, which is a phrase that refers to the second year of a junior high school in Japan. But it could also be a shortened version of Chunibayo, which is a slang term that means someone who is going through a phase or someone who believes they have special powers unlike others, which I thought was pretty <laughs> pretty on the I'm, nose I'm, for I'm this guy. I'm reminded of the, the Yankoma from the, uh, that we talked about in last episode, where it's like, can a phase last a whole lifetime? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's leaning into it. He's got a giant <laughs> uh, spawn-like collar on his jacket, because uh, it's, I don't, yeah, oh no, he does have a cape, so it's very spawn-esque uh, as it rises above and then flares out from behind his head. Um, and he, he says, he just talks all weird. <laughs> I mean, he is edgelord, I guess, but he's like, uh, I go by odd eye, at least in this realm. 
Uh, he's so he's he talks like a LARPer. As if beings in other realms know who he is. Like he's some kind of right. icon elsewhere. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, if you'll notice, there is a like a uh, like a fortune telling ball to the uh, to the left of his throne. So maybe he does commune with oh, people yeah, in other realms. There's a coffin that's that's full of cha- that's chained up. There's a skull. There's a just a fan, just a normal fan back there. Huge then, bird cage. Uh, it looks like a. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a giant cage. Like a deer skull with antlers. <laughs> yep. Up at the top. I like this next panel too, because he he tells the kids that there's no need to be so wary. And he says, These people are my contracted familiars, and there's all these folks standing around, which they, it looks like they're wearing some kind of like single eye mask with a few different symbols, like a fire and moon, and they're like Which reminds me of like the Chinese vampires that have the tags on their oh, faces. Yeah, yeah. But it cracks me up too, because they're just like, dude, we work here. <laughs> like, they are the like, best part of this chapter. I love it's like like um we're sidekicks you pay us to be here <laughs> those two are the best parts of this entire chapter hands down yes because they they make little snide comments throughout and it's it's just great but uh oh, and i didn't notice before they each have a different little symbol on their their like face right thing but uh Adai says uh that what you young ones seek to become would in this parlance of the realm be called heroes and he gives us the strangest definition of a hero that we've yet to encounter in My Hero Academia, which is uh, to be a hero is to hurl oneself into the yawning abyss to garner praise from the teeming masses and to inspire dread. Uh, we've we've fiddled with the definition of hero on this podcast as we've been reading. Uh, none of ours came anywhere close to that one. This guy is everything Stain hates. Oh, gosh, yes, you're right. Stain yeah. would murder the hell out of Odd Eye, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I not have that thought? That's so good. It is oh, really funny. I that brightens that. this chapter up so much for me. Thank you, Mark. You're, you've, you've blessed chapter four of Team Up Missions. We need a smash volume where uh, where Stain's like lurking in that window in that first panel oh. <laughs> on page eight. Uh, that would be hilarious. So that's I, awesome. That's one thing though that like these chapters and even the previous ones of the uh, the Tum chapters in general have frustrated me is that every single chapter they have to like reintroduce what being a hero in this world is and it's like dude we're four chapters in at this point technically like way more than that if you've read 3.1.2 and 0.3 which also reintroduce that it just seems a little uh unnecessary at this point <laughs> i will grant this thing this like to how it does it here is it's not like hey this is what the you know the plot of the series is because it's not like oh well we're this is a special chapter in a different publication or for some reason we had two main number chapters in a row that restated the same thing for some reason. Um, this is at least doing it in a different way. That's in like, it's worked into the narrative, totally. whether the narrative is good or not is, is a different story, but it, it's organically worked in. I'll give you that. As opposed to the, here's what a hero is. Let's get into our story. We're 12 chapters in. Right, right. We've done it every single one. And this is the beginning of volume two. Okay, that that helps. That definitely helps. Yeah. I will rescind my statement, but only slightly. (laughs) Fair. You've been lawyered. Uh, Odd Eye tells them that they must conquer their truths and becoming heroes depends on the outcome of that inner battle. And then he just dashes in towards them and Tokoyami and Kuroiro have natural flight responses, which is great. Midori, on the other hand, is totally taken by surprise and remains rooted in ground and ends up with Adai's hand placed upon his forehead. Uh, and then he begins babbling about him, him and All Might. He says, All Might and me, we're the coolest heroes I can imagine. And 
uh, behind him is like the backdrop of that particular panel are, are like very young Midoriya uh, like, like drawings of, of what something. he imagined himself being a hero it, looking including like. Including a sword made of orichalcum. What is that? No, it, it literally says uh, like he's like strong sword made of orichalcum. Oh, that is in the is background. That a, is that a thing though? I don't know what it is, but I, ori, it's in orichalcum. I mean, it's a like orichalcum is like the uh, like in, in games and stuff like that, it usually ends up being green. It's supposed to be like a mythical metal, yeah. but it, it comes from like the Atlantis myth, and it's red there. Oh, cool! It's uh, so, in Kingdom Hearts a lot. If you've ever played that series, it's like the binding yes, agent is. and all of the uh, synthetics or, or or the synthesis stuff for the for the really like the top tier yeah. synthesis stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Midoriya smacks his hands over his mouth uh, because he didn't. It's we're we're led to believe that he didn't volitionally. Uh, volunteer that information. Um, and odd, uh, he, he's like, those old notes I jotted down while daydreaming, I'm blurting them out. And so this is where we get introduced to Odd Eye's quirk. He says, uh, he, first he says, such is the darkness lurking within you. And then he says that his quirk is to plumb the mental depths of whomsoever I touch, dredging up and awakening that inner darkness. And he calls it Mind Reaper. But the, I just don't understand how any of what Midoriya said is has anything remotely to do with darkness or secrets. It's I, the most on I the mean, tin thing about Midoriya. He's, I guess he's technically never said that his biggest dream in life would be to be All Might's sidekick. But yeah, it's it's very it's very very strange that it's not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, All Might gave me his power, All any of those secret things, because we've established that he can say this stuff and then cover his mouth, so it's not like he starts saying it and just, like, forces himself to stop. Right. Or, or, or impedes this sound from carrying or something like that. And then I just ask, how is this, how is this guy a, a hero with this with this ability? I could see how he might have a hero hero's license and is a consultant. For right. interrogations, I, yes. I could absolutely see that. But to be able to, you know, have sidekicks and stuff like that, implying a lot of field work, I, I could maybe understand one sidekick if it's like, hey, I need you to do all this paperwork because I'm constantly working with the police on interrogations. But four who just have these elaborate costumes and are standing around. Maybe you just answered the like secret to this chapter because we've we've pointed out a lot of things that don't make sense. Maybe he's not actually a hero. This wasn't something hit for, like sent from the hero association. He's a villain. He's just some dude. <laughs> and he's like posing, you know. Well, well the the other guys are confident that they are official sidekicks. Well, but if they're just being paid. If they're just being paid as ones then sure, like that's their title maybe. Like I'm just thinking what if none of it's legit and that like this dude maybe he saw them all during the uh like sports festival and just wanted to like oh. you know what i mean like get a hold of him and, and antagonize him or something like i don't want to call him a villain he's just some dude <laughs> i like that version of events much better except for how he got the stationary but we're I, i'm choosing to go with your your version of events because it's funnier yeah well he one of the sidekicks explains that really all it does is reveal whatever you're trying to hide or embarrassing bits of your past uh, and we've got a panel of uh, Odd Eye standing over Midoriya, whose ghost is leaving his body because, again, apparently the most embarrassing and secretive thing about him is the thing that he puts on full blast display in his room um, at UA. So uh, it, it's it's just strange that he's reduced to uh, a, a ghost giving up puddle for basically saying what everybody would have guessed about him anyway. I do like how the others are like, that is really brutal. That's not cool, bro. 
<laughs> and then he makes a move on Kuroiro this time, grabs him by the hand, and Kuroiro uh, rather boldly declares that he has no dark history. Um, but it is revealed through Odd Eye's quirk that he is in thrall to his own self-consciousness around girls, and he cannot meet their gaze, and he grows meek around them, and there's a picture of the, the mushroom lady whose name I forgot to look up. Uh, Shumage. I, I remember the hero names, just not always the character names. <laughs> So she, uh, he, initially he says that that rings no bells, but I guess through prolonged contact with Odd Eye, because the next panel is just them holding hands still, and then suddenly he starts blushing as if the truth comes out after longer exposure. I How does know. a shadow man I, blush? I I get the impression that it's something like, like he's like he says, like, uh, that rings no bells. There's like a, mo like a half second pause, and then Midoriya is like, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, oh, Midoriya, you think? Oh, no, no, he's no. Lying. Somebody else says he's lying because, because, uh, yeah, Midoriya. I see the little Deku down there. It says, uh, like the guy's blushing, and it's like, I mean, or maybe, calm... maybe Odd Eye just called his bluff. You know, like he, like his quirk. He knows how his quirk works. Knows that what he says is true, even if Kuroiro tries to, uh, tries to obscure that fact. And so maybe Odd Eye is the one who shouts he's lying. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And it only now now occurs to me that um, maybe this is how this guy works as a hero, because he's apparently really fast. Yeah, he does manage to dash up on all three of these guys. Yeah, he blitzes like Midori is the one that's like, you know, if, if he hadn't, you know, been like, I don't understand what's happening here, wouldn't have got caught. But the other two have been actively avoiding him and he blitzes them. Yeah, because like he immediately just is right up on uh, Tokuyami in this next panel, and and he says, you know, reveal the abyss within, and, and there's this moment where like everyone has like serious eyes, and I think I guess they're probably worried that he is going to activate uh, Dark Shadow somehow, which is effectively what happens. Right. But because he grabs Tokuyami by the like beak, which is kind of funny. I mean, he doesn't. His head is like, or his hand is on his his forehead. But in this one panel where they first see it, in my like my initial read was he described to speak which i thought was pretty great uh, but he says like hey you know unthinkable none can resist my pool on their darkness and uh, tokoyami says no this there is no dark past that could possibly mortify me which even in this next panel here odd eye is kind of like oh man this is like this guy's serious he gets shook your, shudders. And even uh was it an everlasting edgelord, a true awoken one. <laughs> and then he gets his crazy eyes as he's goes back into character like it's been like centuries it's been since I encountered such a being. You are a fitting recipient of my own true power. And the the sidekicks are just like like odd eyes took off his eye patch eye patch. Uh, not that that means anything. Yeah, <laughs> like he's it's trying like to sell like, it. I'm as playing if... it up, and the other guy's like, "No, dude, this is this is weird." Yeah, he's trying to sell it such that when he uh, uncovers his other eye, that his power intensifies or some such like that. This felt uh, like a, but it doesn't. <laughs> like a Yu-Gi-Oh match. Like, ah, you activated my trap card. Yeah, that is exactly what that panel is. <laughs> yeah. That pan those two panels are exactly somebody has done something super dramatic, uh, and and we're commenting on it. Well, if it, even if the eye patch thing isn't actually effective or changes his power whatsoever, uh, it does. It is presented that Dark Shadow does come pouring out of Tokoyami, and Tokoyami is frustrated and or surprised by this, uh, and. 
I, I still takes total uh, total credit for it. He says, behold your abyss. Uh, and then he gets promptly smacked by Dark Shadow. Which which means that they're they, on some level, because I, I, this is when I realized, I guess this room is dark. Because mm-hmm. that kind of becomes the plot of like, uh, it's pretty dark in here. He can't, con- you, you've provoked Dark Shadow. He can now no longer have much control of him. But I, I get the impression that it's like whatever he did internally to Togoyami did something that provoked Dark Shadow. And Dark Shadow's like now like you are attacking Tokoyami. You need you're stopping now and then is going berserk. Um and I'm like, okay, that is the first interesting thing that's happened so far. Well then what's kind of crazy too is that like Adai seems to get a kick out of this because these next few panels are just him laughing about the situation and it's like like, dude, that massive chicken shadow just slapped you halfway across the room. I don't think I'd be <laughs> laughing shadow. right now, you know? <laughs> and it's it's and then we find out that it's like because because the students understand exactly what's going on, whereas he's just laughing. And then the sidekicks are like, "Uh, this is bad. Like this this means that he is panicking." Yeah. And all I can think is is like sidekicks. Do you guys not have quirks of your own to help out? Like what's what's no. going on? They're also, just here for commentary. Talking. What They're just the here two? for commentary. I mean, they they the I love the actual phrasing of of them explaining to the to the boys what's going on with Adai. He says, actually, he only laughs like that when he's in deep doo doo. <laughs> it's great. They are the best part of this chapter, hands down. And I think actually the two that are interacting here are the other two on the side of the room from the because there's four in total, uh, and these have different symbols than the other two that were talking initially. I'm fairly certain. Uh, no, 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 because one one of them is the guy with the fire. Oh symbol, yeah, one of them the, is the guy with the moon, moon symbol. Yeah, same Those are the two that we've been interacting with. You're right. The other two have just done nothing. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking that it wasn't the moon, but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And there's one with like a water, one with like a that electricity. Looks, yeah. yeah, those guys have done nothing. Are they even still here? I'm I'm flipping uh, no, forward. No, they're not. They disappear. They they go they, the way we've had people disappearing in these chapters with alarming uh, regularity. Yeah, we've even had Ida just I guess get yeeted to another county, <laughs> right? Or or run from the uh, the universe. I don't know. He disappeared. Yeah. Uh, so Dark Shadow is out in full force. Um, he has taken advantage of the darkness of this chamber, uh, as Mark pointed out. Tokoyami's trying to reel him in, but uh, Dark Shadow turns his eyes on the uh, the minions or the the I, I say minions like he's a villain. The sidekicks. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the the question arises: uh, How do you stop this thing? Uh, because the light that is available to them in the room is just candlelight, which isn't enough, but that's okay because Arai happens to keep a giant stage lighting uh, in this room, supposedly for for selfies. I mean, I don't understand. Like, it says that he keeps him in there to give himself proper lighting, but okay, whatever. It's, that's the explanation that we get. Um, they do manage to turn it on and get Dark Shadow to calm down. He doesn't go back uh, into Tokoyami, but he does shrink back down and is uh, sweating or crying and looking and I, uh, I, much like a, a much sadder, smaller, less intimidating version of himself. I, I like Tokoyami being like, is your tantrum over? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's chastising his kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and then from there we get like another establishing shot where we see out like a couple more little pieces around the room. And then we see him trying to play it all off. And he's like, light is born of darkness. The denizens of the dark merely shown a bro shown a light to banish the ill omen beast and then the sidekick is just like actually you just stood there and laughed yeah sidekicks single-handedly saved this chapter uh 
we do uh, get the guys going back, presumably to UA, uh, talking about what's going on. Tokoyami says, Arai, a fellow commuter in, with the abyss. And Midoriya is just like, I don't get what you guys are saying. And it's because you shouldn't have been in this chapter, Midoriya. Uh, but uh, th- there's the comment that's made, again, by Midoriya, who says that he's surprised that Tokoyami has nothing embarrassing in his past. But Dark Shadow starts to spill the beans on something. He says, that's not true at all. Actually, until grade school, Tokoyami used to. Uh, and Tokoyami glares at Dark Shadow and says, be silent. Which uh, might be my favorite panel. That, like, individual, like, panel yeah. from tonight's, or, like, today's recording. Like, it's like, no, I love this. It almost feels, like, out of a different style of manga. But I'm like, no, I love it. I love the, be silent. And he terrifies Dark Shadow. Yeah, that's so It's not so just, awesome. okay, I'll stop. It's, I'm now terrified of you. I do... I do wonder what it is that he used to do until grade school, but we're 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 doomed to never know because Tokoyami has uh, sufficiently terrified Dark Shadow into silence. I thought it was interesting too that like they make a point of uh, Odd Eye being able to get something out of Midoriya and uh, Kuro Iri. Is that how you say his name? I think Kuro Iro. Kuro Iro. Thank you. Uh, but but then not out of Dark Shadow or Tokoyami, and then it's immediately revealed that he did have a secret of some kind. It just seems weird. Like. It's... It's possible that I was going to say that he coded himself in Dark Shadow, but no, Dark Shadow comes out of the stomach. Um, it's possible that because there's there is another conscious entity there, it didn't get red right it, or something. It, yeah, it it didn't get red right, or it was able to be shunted to Dark Shadow. That was what I was thinking. Like maybe Tokoyami's able to kind of like move that consciousness of some kind. Like I'm going to say consciousness, but I don't really know how he would yeah. move it back and the, forth. The but... invasion. The like the mental yeah. invasion of it, yeah. Because they are separate. They are separate entities. Like, was it a? Uh, oh, oh, was it Mandalay with her um, from the Wild Wild Pussycats with her uh, was um, uh, telepathy? Like, if she so- told something to Tokoyami, Dark Shadow wouldn't get it. She would have to send it to Dark Shadow for Dark How Shadow. How crazy to hear would it be if it turned out that uh, like he's just a conjoined twin? We've we've tossed around the idea that he's like a, that he's possessed that it isn't a quirk but, yeah uh i would say too maybe what had happened was that uh dark shadow goes from being the protector of that secret uh from a uh from an invader to the uh all too willing for tokoyami's comfort uh divulger of that secret in more pleasant company maybe that's what happened mm, there you go or, or Dark Shadow has a personality that we don't get to see enough of. That's right. Because I, I could legitimately imagine that, like, at school, Dark Shadow has a desk and is learning math, too. Like, I, <laughs> I could see that. That's a good he, point. He has, like, he's conscious. He has his own thoughts. Now, is he going to be able to go to a different school? No. That's like, but, there's got to be some accountant at UA trying to figure out how they can double charge Tokoyami. <laughs> oh, yeah, tuition. absolutely. <laughs> That sounds, or may, or that maybe sounds that's accurate. why he doesn't have Dark Shadow out unless they're trading and he doesn't get his own desk because then they would be double charged. That could be true. They are in the one room uh, out of necessity, so they can't they can't up the uh, up the tuition on that front. I'm now imagining I'm now imagining in uh, at night when Tokoyami is sleeping that Dark Shadow just goes out and he has his own little notebook of homework that he's doing. <laughs> Let's get into mission number five, which is called Hell's Kitchen. And we are also uh, given a two-page spread featuring uh, the gentleman who will feature in this chapter. Um, and it's it's pretty good. I, I, like, I like it. it. 
looks pretty good. Yeah, for sure. We've got uh, Tokoyami. It looks like um, it kind of looks like they're stripping out of their hero costumes and into like some robes uh, because you see Inasa's, uh, you know, his like woolly cloak thing go and fly and you see Todoroki's penis things flying off behind him uh, and Kaminari's glasses. You mean his belt? <laughs> yeah, his with the penis things. It's the it's the funniest thing that came out of that uh the the him and Bakugo with the kids thing. Oh, so yeah. I bring it up as often as they possible. They kind of look like little like Vienna sausages stapled onto his belt or something. I mean, yes. I get what you're going for for sure. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous. Oh, and then yeah, uh, Kaminari's headphones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't see him tossing off, but whatever. Yeah, so it, it's those two, and then you. Well, we covered three. So Kaminari, Todoroki. Uh, Inasa or Yarashi, and then we also have Seji Shishikura, which is the guy who uh, manipulates flesh and was a super creepy part of the meatball one A versus one B stuff. Yeah, meatball guy. Uh, do they even? I think they might even call him that at some point in here. Or no, they call him, they call meat, him man. meat Man a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is yep. Worse. Which would I rather be called, Meatball Guy or Meat Man? And I thought that I this know. was kind of interesting. Like in the Shonen Jump app, uh, this chapter features like a one-page panel for Edgelord Hero. Is it like that in the physical volume? Yes, it is. Um, and it's so strange how his his art style reminds me of uh, the old Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah, yeah, like one art style, and I dig it. He looks really cool right yeah. here. But why was it it's included? It's a real shame in this about one? his chapter. It, yeah, you're not well, wrong. Well, just because Absolutely it's at the no conclusion idea. of the one that he was actually in. It just feels like that would have been a good one to have in the middle, especially since none of the other chapters have even had a page like this. It just felt weird to throw randomly in this chapter. Yeah, it does, it does seem like uh, like one of the manga extras that uh, Mark and I talked about in the last episode, which you would know if you'd listened to it. Um, but well, hey, we, you we sent do me get the it. panels. I read them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it reminds me a lot of like in the the Tonkabons, like you'll have like the in between pages where you get like little blurbs about the characters. Like that's what this feels like. Why it's why it's in a chapter couldn't couldn't. T- I mean, I get the Tonkabon because they want to format it because um, they need the space for the two page spread. Yeah, but oh, that's a good point. As far yeah. as why digitally, like physically, I understand why it's here digitally. I don't know why it would be included as part of this chapter. It just felt like a, yeah. a weird one to throw into this chapter, too, since he's not even in this chapter. But yeah, totally. Well, regardless, yeah. we pick up uh, and we are pretty much just reintroduced to what the team up missions are. And uh, the giant tub. Yeah, yep. <laughs> top of the page. Big tub at the top. You're right. And uh, we've got, I always get the two mixed up. Is it Kaminari? Yeah, it's kind of, it's Danky. Yeah. Danky Kaminari. Yep. Danky is uh, talking to Todoroki. And he's just like, hey, like, I think it's the first time that we're actually teaming up, but I'm not super sure who all else is on this. It seems like it's a, you know, folks from another school. And it totally is. It's so weird. Again, like, like comparing it to the missive that was sent last in the last chapter that had everybody's name on it. Granted, all three of them were at UA in that case. Uh, but this time we do get two missives. But neither one apparently told the others who everyone that was going to be on this mission. It's it's weird. But we do have Yarashi and, uh, like we said, Shishikura from Shiketsu High that joined these guys. Uh, last time we saw uh, Yarashi and Todoroki together was uh, during the uh, big fight against Gang Orca and his minions, and it was super good. I I guess that there's a way to interpret what he's saying is like it with it's not clear who else is, you know got put on this team whether it's like there's some names i don't recognize which i i know that's a stretch 
knowing how sometimes they in Japanese um, stuff will be said in a certain way to be ambiguous mm-hmm. um, and then directly translating that to English that might have been less uh, oh, what's the word uh, less of a stretch in the original Japanese potentially um, but but it is very very strange because I, I don't know if they would if he they would remember or know the like full names of either of these guys. Like, so them seeing the name might be like, Oh, I recognize who they are. Like I recognize their face, but I don't know their name kind of deal. I would, I would think that Todoroki knows Yarashi though. I, I would understand yeah. maybe that they couldn't get Shishikura, uh, that, 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 that name didn't ring any bells, but, but also Kaminari, I mean, he faced off against Shishikura, um, in that. I'm not uh, sure if he got, I mean, I think he got his name like, he got like his first name and it was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, they, Shishikura, uh, kind of reels in Yarashi a little bit and explains that they've been convened by the obstinate hero Gontetsu and that this guy is especially crusty and hard to please. So there shouldn't be any tomfoolery, which good luck because you have Kaminari and Yarashi like Toad will totally play it straight, but those two, uh, they're, they're wild cards. Uh, Yarashi's pretty psyched about this. Um, he says that it'll be one hot-blooded team-up and that they just got to put the work in. And so they end up at a place that appears to be Gontetsu's it, hero it base. It didn't occur to me till just now, but you, you've sent three first years and a second year. Um, what are you... like? It, it made sense with the FATGAM agency because you already had a student who was working there professionally. And then you sent some other heroes over there. That's fine. That guy was already there. This is like why did you why did you send three first years and a second year? What a strange combination. It is. We well we've struggled with who gets assigned in pre, in all of the team ups so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost. Yeah, I think we were fine with Momo and. Oh no! Ida. Yes, I, that yes, that one was fine. Yeah, uh, but the rest of them we've we've thrown some shade at just the uh, the the gathering of people. So we meet. Gontetsu, he's this looming dude who appears to be towering over Kaminari in this one panel. Uh, and he's got a giant stick that he's kind of slung over his back and he wears like a headband that's got some kanji on it. And he he glares or glints at these guys and there's all these like force lines and Kaminari's hair is even moving. It's just, he's he, uh, he's just very evocative of, of force and fear and uh, obstinacy, I he guess, since that's his, serious, his hero like, name. presence about him. Yeah, Kaminari gets shaken a little bit by that stare. He says, that killer stare, I can't let myself get scared, though. And they start to introduce themselves. And unfortunately, they get cut off because Yarashi says, we're here for the team up. Mm," And he gets that one M out. And if he had been able to complete that sentence, we could have avoided this entire chapter. (laughs) Yeah, you say that as if you wanted to, Adkins. I mean, this one isn't my favorite. Um, but it's, it's literally like if he had been able to finish saying team up mission, then the, the entirety of the rest of this chapter would have been avoided. <laughs> like that's just a, that is just a statement of Definitely fact. Definitely not wrong. Cause Ganjetsu basically interrupts everybody. It's just like, zip it. Like, did I even ask for you guys to speak? No, not at all. I make the rules. If you want to learn, then you're just going to do things not my way. Now stop lollygagging and get ready. And they're just like, yes, sir. <laughs> And then they all find themselves like in, in like chef uniforms and stuff like that. And um, there's half of them that are like, cool, we're doing this. And the other half is like, I'm sorry, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny 
it's great because I think it's a uh, Todoroki is just like, oh, we're we're gonna make soba, and uh, I, it's uh, what's his name, Yarashi. That's just like, no, man, I'm an udon guy myself, not a soba guy. Not, not Todoroki. He's he's on team cold soba. That's his, that is a canonical That's fact about him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, apparently, pretty good at making it too. Yeah, apparently he does the he he presents the best product in this. Um, or well, I guess he presents their product. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. But Kaminari is trying to figure out what's going on, and Shishikura is just like this isn't without purpose. Like we have to trust that this this ha- there's a reason for us doing this. He says that he's uh, a man of few words, but profound meaning is imbued in every action that he takes. So even a task seemingly unrelated to hero work uh, is likely to serve a purpose. And so he's. He dramatically says, this may be our greatest challenge yet. We're going for the Mr. Miyagi. He's like, oh, so this is a Mr. Miyagi thing. Cool. Whereas Kaminari's like, no, guys, this doesn't feel right. Let me just clarify with it. No, we will not let you just verify that we're in the correct place, Kaminari. And then the the majority of the rest of this chapter reads remarkably close to a cookbook. Um, We learn how to make soba over the next few pages. Yeah, it's actually really cool because it's pretty close. I, I was telling the guys before we got recorded, I spent a long time like learning how to make ramen noodles from scratch at home. And this is actually pretty close. And it's funny because they, they actually hit on a point, too, where uh, right here in this very next scene, they're kind of measuring the water and Yoroshi just dumps all of it at once. And uh, they're like, whoa, dude, that's definitely not how you do this. I did not say to do every last drop of water. Uh, so again, Tetsu is immediately just I think he slaps him over the head here. Yeah, it's just kapow. Uh, but that was the thing I ran into like if you don't actually pour the water in in increments and do it in a slow manner that it just totally wrecks the way the noodles will form and taste so kind of neat that they did a little bit of research on it and then we get uh oh we get we get our second year we get a meatball guy who's who's now um mixing and it's uh it's a horror show it is if i looked into a, a chef's kitchen and saw this i would not eat there no because he's he's using his quirk um, which is he's able to like knead flesh and control it, and it's disgusting. And he's using that to knead the dough. It looks like Kaminari is also grossed out by this. Yeah, I mean, he probably washed his hands so that everything there is probably sanitary. But yeah, even, it's just the it's the principle. The even thing. in the background, yes. Gantetsu has got like a little word bubble above his in head. Ellipses. Yeah, it's just a, the dot dot yeah. dot. Like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> nah. And then he's like, not bad. And it goes straight to Shishikura's head. There's like a panel where it looks like uh, he's he is elated by that or or energized by it. So now he starts shouting at Kaminari about needing the needing the bread or the uh, the dough, uh, and then it has to be done very promptly. And again, this sounds like it's out of a cookbook. This this uh, text box in particular, needing ought to be done promptly. Working leisurely will end up degrading the flavor. The clock starts ticking from the moment the water is added. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a step straight out of a cookbook. Yeah, then they, uh, there's another section here where it says, after kneading the dough, we proceed to the belly out step. And Kaminari raises his shirt, and he's like, belly out? And of course, uh, you know, the meat guy is like, could you be any dumber? Come on, what are you doing? And in the background, Yarashi also has his shirt up, like totally ready for whatever belly out means. Oh, oh, and don't forget that uh, Kaminari gets uh, meatballed. He gets meatballed. Ugh, so gross. gross. This is like, did you really have to need me to, though? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Shishikura feels like he's surrounded by, by fools and 
it's just, it's, it's hilarious, but they do finally get their soba done. So Yarashi presents uh, his udon, and then it looks like also uh, Todoroki presents uh, some of his own. I don't see any from Shishikura, though, I th- which is I strange. think they were helping the, the person from their school. Oh, I see. I see. It's like it was teams of two. And I got to say, both of these guys, fantastic presentation. Yeah, the presentation is really good. You know, I didn't pick up on that. That's a really good point, Mark. Like, there's nothing in this that really indicates that they had split up into teams other than them handing over two different dishes. So I I like it. He's like, here's my Udon. He he doesn't even try. He just gets judo flipped. It's like, where's my soba? (laughs) (laughs) And then Shota's like, "Uh, my soba is ready. Um, and I just, I, I love Kaminari. He's just like, come on, Todoroki, the Soba lover, bring it home for us. Like, I just picks up some of the noodles, and I'm like, I, what? I don't understand like what's going on with the noodles. I think they're in such poor form, he doesn't even have to try to taste them. He just immediately knows they're sloppy garbage. Uh, so he, he, like, smacks Todoroki away, enough out of my sight. And, uh, of course, Yaroshi, being the way that he is, he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, we tried really hard. Is there anything we can do differently? And and Gintetsu's like, well, what do you want, a medal? Like, imagine if effort alone counted for a damn thing that or what a world that'd be. And Yaroshi's like, yeah, well, that's fair enough. But if we leave now, it'll all been for nothing. And so, of course, he goes into begging him and he slams his head right into the floor, which I'm glad that they brought that back. That was a fun personality quirk of his. Um, and I think, like, in that next panel, Todoroki says his name, and the way he's looking at him, I think there's kind of a sign of, like, maybe disgust, but also a little bit of respect, being willing to, like, you know, get down on his hands and knees and beg for a second chance like that. Yeah, I agree. Bit. I think, uh, had in, in my mind that Kantetsu would not be in favor of participation trophies. Um, that's, that's basically what he says when oh, he yeah. says, uh, if effort counted alone, then, uh, you know, what do you want a medal? Um. But yeah, Yarashi does earn them a second chance, uh, and Gantetsu gives it to him. He says, give me something halfway decent or else. And so the boys are back at it. Um, but this time they're, they have determined that they, they probably should use their quirks because this is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the world in which they live and they, and they have these abilities and they, I mean, I, I, Shiketsu, the, or Shiketsu, um, Shishikura used his, but we didn't see anybody else of the other three use theirs at all. And then, yeah, so we see them in their, their epic hero pose with just, there's there's fog there for some reason. Like, <laughs> it, no, it looks like they've just done a, like, uh, they've just, like, Power Rangers, Super Sentai, Kamen Rider just transferred. <laughs> right, yeah, it does. Um, which is not what happened. And then they, and then, uh, Gantetsu sees, it's like, oh, there's fire in their eyes, but we see it's Shoto, so I'm like, no, that's literal fire. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, here, <laughs> and then Shoto, like, hands him some uh so but is like here for you to try this feels like such a naruto transition like we would have had that moment of them having the conversation and then it would have been that like oh and it switch over to this scene and then that very <laughs> classic naruto like they're solving the situation music come on you know and them presenting the bowl of soba over this something about this just almost every chapter actually has kind of felt like another anime or manga to me I can yes. totally hear the song that you're referring to from Naruto playing in the background of this scene. Yeah, because I have a very distinct song, yeah. but I don't know how to describe it <laughs> other than the Naruto song. Yeah, yeah. I, which I which is unfortunately not specific because of how many there are, but I know exactly yeah. which one you're talking about. This now that you've framed it like this, I'm like, no, this feels early Naruto. Totally. This feels like we're we're like we're before the tuning exams, we're doing like some of our really silly missions for for you know low 
beginning and stuff like that kind of deal. That's exactly what this is. We're helping out uh, uh, the uh, noodle guy or the ramen yeah. guy for some reason this episode. And he's he's like not even taste testing as far as we can tell. He's just got these noodles like in between two chopsticks and we get a panel that's just internal dialogue or, or, or internal monologue. And he says, adding the water just right is key to soba and they nailed it. A precise temperature makes the noodles springy. It's still kind of rough around the edges, but this is leagues better than that sorry first attempt. What changed? And he gives them this like side eye, like who are you people? Who, you know, who was replaced to these students that were before me? <laughs> Yeah, we get uh, some recapitulation. We get to go back in time and see exactly what they did differently. Um, so Todoroki puts Shishikura and Yarashi in charge of the dough. And he says that he's on boiling duty and he just leaves stuff to Kaminari. Kaminari's like, well, what's my role? And Todoroki just says, you handle the other stuff. But uh, to Kaminari's credit, he's always gung-ho. He's just like, stuff! <laughs> yeah! It's great. He's shown, like, rolling out some of the dough, so he had at least one thing to do, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and his... We don't really see his quirk being used. Um, Kaminari's, I mean. Like, we see in this in the next page, we see Yarashi using um, his wind to uh, do some of the mixing, and then uh, Shishikura doing the kneading again with his creepy-ass quirk, and Todoroki... Uh, finally tuning the temperature while the noodles are cooking. Kaminari's still just using rolling pin, no electricity to speak of whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what his quirk would help with here, honestly. Yeah, maybe maybe they had a uh like a gas stove and Todoroki was kind enough to just blow the um the pilot light out and let uh let Kaminari light it. <laughs> like gave him something to do basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let him light it with a spark. spark instead of the fire guy lighting it with his fire. Right, yeah. right. Just to give him something to do, you know. Well Gantetsu seems to be pretty happy with this. He gives him the job well done. You pass and they're all ecstatic about it, absolutely. And then we get kind of this weird, unexpected transition where some rando shows up in a long coat and it's just like, hey, yo, old man, you ready to hand over the shop yet? And uh Gantetsu has just got this blank stare like he's had to deal with this hooligan for you know several years now or something and it turns out that there's this guy that basically wants to take the shop from him or or buy it from him because it's the perfect location for his new business we're not even told what that is it's just the perfect location and uh, it seems like the folks from Shiketsu specifically Meat Man is kind of putting things together weirdly like did he just say this shop like kind of maybe putting two and two together that they might not actually be in the right place uh, but regardless this guy has brought villains to basically kick this guy out of his shop and force him to sail over uh everything that he owns so the kids get kicked into high gear they're gonna take him out by force that's what they're they're here for yeah it's hard to tell what the villain's powers are but it it appears to be the ability to throw chairs which is a power i also have so i'm i'm i'm, I'm in the same league as these guys as far as i can tell <laughs> i, I want to point out that despite these four, you know, pretty competent heroes here. Um, n none of them intercepted the chair or yep. even attempted to intercept the chair. And at least one of them has the power to easily do that without any structural damage to the place. And he just didn't. They were just like, oh, no. And it's like, R really, guys? That none of you tried to stop the guy who, who walked in and picked up and threw a chair? <laughs> None, none to of, be fair, okay. if this chair hit Gantetsu, they also assume he's a pro hero, so they probably assumed he would have either dipped out of the way. You know what? That's or... a, that, 
that's a really good point that I had not considered until this very moment. Yeah, I mean, like, I totally agree with you. It seems like instinctually they should have done something here. Um, but that's knowing what the twist yeah. is. As and I also to, can't, okay, no, I can't super tell, did they throw a chair or did they throw Gantetsu into some chairs? Uh, either way, I can do it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at this point, it's like, those are real villains. Like, we've got to do something about this. And uh, Todoroki's the one that says, well, she, we shall not stand idly by in the presence of villains. Still, let's keep this from escalating. Obviously, we ain't going to sit back and watch. And, uh, you know, they uh, they get into motion. And it's really quick. Like, Yarashi pretty much takes these guys out with his wind power. I mean, they, there's a panel with the other three kind of showing their powers, but it really feels more like it's just Yarashi to me. What's well, Yarashi and Shishikura for sure, um, because the, I guess Yarashi uses his wind to kind of root them in place. Uh, and then we see at the bottom of one of the pages that uh, one of them has been meatballed. Oh, yeah, you're uh, right. In, yeah, and then we there's definitely ice flying at their direction on the panel where it says, um, because we're future heroes, we see ice emanating from uh, Todoroki. And the the most we get out of Kaminari again is he's pointing his finger. I like, think what? he probably shot one of his, like the little discs he has. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, it's he's definitely pointing but... his finger as if he had used one of his attacks, but it doesn't, if it's, if it's depicted on this page, it might be covered up by automatopoeia again because I don't see anything that definitely is lightning in this. I I get the I get the feeling that when we saw him actually use his electricity was on the previous page. Yeah, I uh, see. Yeah, when, like, when he's like got he, the lightning kind of charging around him. Yeah, like he like immediately when everything else was going on, he pointed, he fired it, uh, he he used it, and now this is like after it has happened because I mean it it wouldn't persist. It's yeah. never persisted particularly long right. when it wasn't uh, That's happening. Fair. But that is visually confusing. We ha- I had to go back and piece it together as opposed to, I'm conveying this well. Yeah. Well, they, they do manage to handle the situation or de-escalate it, as they uh, say. And we each get the, the big takeaway from this, which is that each of them feels like they can use their quirks a little bit better because of the 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 cooking lesson that they participated Which in doesn't really make any sense for Kaminari, but that's okay. I don't, I think like he's trying to be a team player. Okay. Give him a break. He's, he's the only one who was like, I feel like something's wrong guys. Let's confirm. And everybody else was like, no. Well, and to be fair, I would point out that Kaminari doesn't say that. I guess that Soba making paid off for me. He just says, I guess that Soba making paid off. Maybe he's just being like, Happy that uh, that Yarashi and Todoroki <laughs> managed to take yeah, something away from this. G- given where he's standing and who he's pointing at, he is pointing at those two. Uh, like specifically Shoto, who's just said, "Like uh, I can fine tune my heat." It's like, and he's like, "Oh, see, that paid off." Yeah, that's a good point. And and then these next two pages are great because this is where Gantetsu is just like, "Wait, you boys are heroes in training? What the?" And and it transitions over to just like dumbfounded panel of everybody looking like what? And and Kaminari says, "Wait, wait, this is just a noodle shop." Great, great stuff. Yeah, I like how he basically accuses the guy of like, "I could have stopped all of this." I was the one who wanted to ask, but you wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah, so Gantetsu, this Gantetsu is not the obstinate hero Gantetsu. He's just a humble Soba artisan. Uh, and he says, you must be looking for the agency in the next town over. That confusion happens a lot. And then there's a good grief, like it's a Charlie Brown panel um, out of uh, Kaminari. But, I mean, it's appropriate given his color palette. 
it's true. <laughs> um, but he is, Gontetsu is uh, grateful for uh, their presence anyway. Um, they did manage to save the shop from real danger. And so he says, you guys drop by for Soba anytime. But that's not the end of this chapter. In fact, the end of this chapter is is just delightful. Who wants to who wants to explain the bottom half oh, of the oh, last we, page? We we get more of the you know the Todoroki family business, which is exclusively great, uh, and every single thing that it appears in, except for uh, oh what is it uh, school briefs? Yeah, because uh, gotcha. we because like we get a was it. We get a brief cutaway to uh, the Gantetsu, like the, you know, the agency that they're supposed to go to, uh, I think. Or is that the noodle? I the think it's still the, the outside of the noodle shop yeah. there. Um, he's like, yes, sir. And then we, we go to, you know, Todoroki's like, house with the Dever. And I guess he's he's just back here. Like he he went back home for like a weekend or something. I don't know. But then Endeavor's like, Shoto, like uh, Fiumi, uh, who's his who's uh his sister his oldest sister is like uh you know told me you made soba got any for me and he's just like no and that's the end i can like (laughs) and and that part felt incredibly like smash like i feel like i've seen this in smash Uh, it was any panel with endeavor like screaming shoto is audible to me (laughs) i can just hear yeah i agree Especially the the Shoto that he was shouting during the sports yeah. fest when he was like Shoto, like super loud and drug out. That's that's how I hear that in every panel that he Same shouts his here. name to. Yeah, yeah, Shoto. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that'll bring us into our next chapter, which is chapter six. It's named "Just Do Your Best, Ojiro," and the front panel's not uh, as like climactic, I guess I would say, as the other two. But it's pretty neat. We got no. Aga Curry and it's... you know Ojiro. She's sticking flowers into the end of Ojiro's tail. As he's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, we so we, we open up and they're on a kind of a ferry to an island. Uh, was it uh, Oku Island? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the team up mission this time around features, you know, it features these two and they're, they're going to this island to basically do a talk to students. There is no professional hero in this chapter. Nope. It's very, it's very, very strange. That they would be sent out like this without, I mean, technically, is there adult supervision? Y- yes, there is. There's the staff at the school that seems to be responsible for them. But at the same time, it just, it feels so strange. And I'm like, oh, is this, is this in some small way, like, inspired by movie two? It's also kind of strange to me that, and I think there's been one other chapter like this, but that there is no one else in the sense of it's not really a team up like these two work together all the time. This isn't a team up mission. Yes. This is just this isn't a team up mission. This a is slice like of life kind of deal. This is them attending career yeah. day, you know, and and explaining yeah. to students what it's like to be in a hero school. That's it. That's all. Yeah, this I is. agree. I mean, um, that's all that the setup is, at least. Before I forget, like there, there's one other guy who's on the the ferry with them, um, and from behind, I was like, "Wait a minute, is it's, that Hawks? It's Winsless Hawks." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had the same thought. Um, because they're like they're you know they point out that there's one other guy, uh, there, and he's just like, "Oh, cool, you guys are students," and that's where we find out what they're doing, and he's just like, "Yeah, no, I'm just I'm I'm just you know going to the island just to you know sightsee." Don't mind me. And they're just and they're just like, "Oh, okay, cool." Have, you won't have a good time. You won't see me for the rest of this chapter. I'm not the the Chekhov's gun in this <laughs> in this chapter at all. 
Yeah, I, I'm not like a a person who wasn't a villain until we just needed one, right? <laughs> uh, but then we we get to see the school, like we get the establishing shot of this hero school, the Terra Terra Koya. I'll allow it. I have still fishing for that one star. We're, we're not exactly so known for announcing things correctly here, so yeah, <laughs> I know. You see, this is this is why I find the anime incredibly helpful. I'm like, oh, you've given me pronunciation, cool. I'm going to run with this from now on. Right, right. Um, but they're they're like, uh, there's a you know, there's a rope across the path. And they're like, oh, like somebody's setting a trap for us, and Oji just kind of goes to trip it because he's just like, whatever. Like somebody's done this, and we see that it it's a pretty elaborate like uh, net trap, and one of the students. Uh, who has a whore on his head and like, like a kind of a leopard print scarf is just laughing at he's him. He's an oni. Just, he's like an yeah. oni. Yep, his entire thing is an oni. Um, and he's uh, he's it's uh, it's it's token little kid who's just there to annoy specifically he's, me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's just the mischievous it, token it's, it's kid. Movie two. All over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're no, right. I, there I are a that. lot of parallels there. Like, I, I knew them, but the more you say it, I'm like, dang. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick up on the little kid parallel until just now, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I liked this chapter going into it. Oh, no. <laughs> Ojiro thinks it's uh, Hagakure who sprung this trap for no discernible reason. That, that seems strange. But uh, we find out that it's this young man whose name is Ikaku, uh, and there's a great tiny little panel of his teacher running towards him like Ida like he's temp temp temping is the automatopoeia like he's falling ass (laughs) it's it's kind of great I love that uh and he's very apologetic about uh Ikaku's behavior he says this one just loves making a scene and pulling pranks and uh uh, Hagakuri takes the time to ask if he might teach her how to set a trap like that I mean it, it makes sense she's a stealth She's a stealth-based hero. Her yeah. being able to set traps makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know in pre-production she was going to be a gadgeteer. Oh, so... that's cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. So, so all these like that that makes you know sense for her character. Yeah, I like that's actually really neat. I didn't know that. Well, we get kind of introduced to the students of this class uh, via the teacher because he's explaining like, hey, these two have come all the way from UA just for your sake. They're here to, and and of course, the little kid cuts them off and he's like, UA, that makes them awesome. And we see all the little kids, they're running around everywhere and, and the teacher's like, hey, the UA students are here to give a talk. Like, everyone be good and listen up. Like, this is very kindergarten class you know first grade exactly but it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a martial arts dojo and we see all of the kids sparring each other with their with their it's quirks. like a little pokemon battles uh, oh that is not how i read that page um i i see that i i just read it as like you know um it's like kindergarten cop when you first walk into a room full of kindergartners they're just doing whatever the hell oh, they like, want and that's like what playtime? this is it's just chaos. Oh. No, I, I definitely read this <laughs> okay, as like uh, like how Mark did. Like they're all battling off. This appears to be some kind of a hero school. Yeah, yeah it, I, I mean, mean it, it says it says hero says, school yeah, on the sign so out front. I sure. definitely assumed they were like training. Uh, I guess I would say. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. It's important to me to point this out. Um, this is the last page in this chapter, uh, wherein Hagakuri is clothed. Just keep that in mind going forward. Oh As yeah. <laughs> this is the last guess, time she has clothes that's, on. That's like that's a that's that's a fair point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we see all the kids fighting cuz yeah, they're all paired off. It's it's all 1v1s. Yeah. Uh, and nobody seems to be getting in each other's way. Yeah. Um 
but then yeah so ojiro kind of goes to kind of begin he's like he's like oh wow kids these days wow it's like he's um and somebody's like uh he starts his presentation like hello i'm you know i'm ojiro like my hero name is tailman uh just like you guys I, i'm hoping to be a hero one day and and then he's like do you guys have any questions and i'm like first of all buddy you should you there's two people here. Why are we not introducing both of them? Why are you both not introducing yourselves? Uh, but I, I don't know. They really feels like they just sent them out there without like, hey, here's here's some activities. Here's things to talk about. Like they just they just left these two poor like 15 year olds. They're like, go talk to all of these kids. They're like, what about about being a hero? Do you have any specifics? No, just yeah. Go. When I read this, yeah, I, just turn it into a big Q. Exactly. Like when I read this, I totally imagined him being like, any questions? Great. Like clapping his hands and walking out like job done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the entirety of yeah. my lecture. Thank you for attending my TED. <laughs> that talk. would be Bakugo. <laughs> Bakugo wouldn't have gone. Are you kidding me? Oh no, Bakugo would have Bakugo would have absolutely gone. Um, and then he would have he would have gone. He would have done exactly what he had to do, what he was obligated to do, and then leave. Yeah. But the uh, Ikaku raises his hand uh, in in response to the any questions question, and he wants to know what's your quirk, tail man. And there are all there are all of these suggestions from the crowd, and each one of them is a, de- uh, a a description of a quirk from somebody else in 1A, but definitely not Ojiro. So we got Make Stuff Explode, which is Bakugo. We have Zap Things with Lightning, which is Kaminari. I bet he shoots laser beams. That's Aoyama. Or has acid that can melt things. That's Mina. Does he run real fast? That's Ida. What if he's got ice and fire powers? That's Todoroki. So like they cover all of these quirks of people in uh, Ojiro's class, but don't pick up on the fact that his name is Tailman, because he has this giant tail that they seem to have completely overlooked. <laughs> I mean, on some level, given just what society's like for them, somebody having a tail, like, that's not a weird thing. But at the same time, his hero name is Tailman. Right. What did you think he would do? <laughs> oh, man. And then there's there's this weird, like, conspiratorial panel down here at the bottom of this page where some of the kids are saying that uh, UA is the place where they fuse quirk factors together in secret labs with genetic experiments, which is a wild, like, theory floating around in the world about yeah. UA, uh, at least amongst these students. Uh, I guess it's is, a little world-buildy, though. Which is concerningly hilarious. Right. Like, because of the irony? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, also the fact that All for One would ever let any of that information leak. Right. Yeah, I think, like, it's funny, like, too, to me, because I feel like most high schools or middle schools, like, have some kind of a some kind of a rumor about them. Like, the one around here is that the, the big high school has a pool on one of the, like, certain wings roofs. You just have to know how to get up there. And, of course, like, they catch kids trying to get up there all the time. It's just been some weird traditional, like, telltale handed down and i wonder if that's the kind of thing that like on this island people are like folks go to ua and they never come back the same <laughs> it's almost concerned like there there's a part of me that's concerning i'm like is is all for one harvesting some of the people on this oh island yeah for things like i'm concerned for these children what if now? it's like a wicker man situation except with all for one? Oh no 
Well, uh, another question is raised to Ojiro. What's the trick to being a hero? And he goes the one punch man route and he just says daily training. And then also don't forget to study hard while doing uh, a dance. And then maneuver. We, <laughs> yeah. Or he's just like, I don't know, doing a fist pump, I guess. Like um, pumping them up. Yeah. And somebody sta- uh, sta- says over him, oh, it's a Kaku. He says, you're like super plain. And the and word bubble actually stabs <laughs> Ojiro and. It was such a delightful detail. I like that. Such a good panel. Yeah, that was a nice touch. That was probably my favorite thing between the three of these chapters, actually. So Ikaku is giving his definition of a hero. It's killer moves, all powerful quirks. That what makes uh, that's what makes a cool hero. So show us that stuff. They're the awesomest people around. Awesome people can do awesome stuff. And then we get uh, a big blinding flash from Hagakure, who the kids must have forgotten was standing there, even though she does have her gloves and boots on. Well, I don't think she's been up there with him. That's the other thing. Like in the previous panels, she could have been up there with them. And you—that's the thing—is like she, right. she, if she was up there, she was definitely naked, like you mentioned earlier. And so she's flashed everybody, and not like in that kind of way. And then put her—I mean, but literally, <laughs> exactly. Though. And then like put her gloves and boots back on, and then she introduces herself as you know Haga Curry. Um. I th- no, she, she can, can do, do that move with her gloves f- and boots on. Yeah, she can do the, the move. But what I'm her. saying is if she was up there before, because in the previous panels, oh. there are no gloves and boots. Yeah, she's yeah, okay. she's not illustrated in any of the panels right. prior to this. That's so if for she sure. if no. she just all of a sudden flashed and then produced her boots and, and you know, uh, gloves, however she does this. Gloves. Uh, that, I don't know. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> she introduces herself and uh, she's like, you know, you better not forget me and basically dazzles all the kids because they're all like, oh yeah, that's a real quirk. Uh, poor, poor Ojiro. I mean, this is, this is the, uh, and we'll get into it more when we get there, but a personal pet peeve I have is, is this running joke with Ojiro and the amount of times where it's like, oh, he's in a gnarly fight, or oh, this is super cool, like in the the one A versus one B. Uh, my understanding is that the the anime it's a bit better, but in the manga, like he's he's having drill, like they got drill guys like drilling into his arm. We're seeing flesh being ripped away. He's having this gnarly fight, and everybody's like, oh, it's so plain and boring. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This looks awesome. I don't understand. What does he have to do? Like, cut off his own tail before you give him any amount of respect? If I was him, I would hate my class. And, like, what if. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What if his tail got cut off and it grew back? That would be his real quirk. I expect strong. Like, a, like a blue tailed gecko or something, yeah. That would be gross. Imagine the stages of that, <laughs> like, on scaled oh, up and on a human. That would be weird. <laughs> also, if it's like, yeah. Like, yeah, it took me 15 years to get this tail this long. Now I have to wait another 15 oh, years. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the, the kid, uh, Ikaku, goes into explaining kind of randomly that, like, this island has this awesome secret about this buried treasure, and and he wants to go find it, and all the folks want to go find it, because anybody that finds it totally earns lots of respect from everyone. And uh, he's like, yeah, that person, that they'll be awesome. And he says, get this. Once I go hero, I'm going to form an awesome team. You want to join me? And she's like, well, that sounds cool, but uh, Tailman's got to be on our team too. And immediately, you know, uh, it's kind of like trying to shut that down. Like, no, no, we're not going to have that. And they transition out. We see them kind of. He's so devastated. He's so <laughs> devastated. is, yeah. And uh, we see them kind of leaving, and they're telling all the kids, like, hey, get home safe. Like, you know, it's the end of the day. And it seems like Ukaku is trying to run across some, like, beams that are just there. I guess this is a fence. It, it looks like yeah. a fence. Yeah, it's uh, a so fence. He's walking across the fence posts. 
But he's a so he's Ikaku's walking across these fence posts, and uh, it's funny because the other kids are like, "Man, you just like standing out. Like you're not even listening to anything that's going on. Like you're gonna get hurt again. Like this has already happened." And he decides to make sure everybody's watching and goes to jump. But when he does, it seems like he either misses his landing or just goes off the deep end. Like he wasn't expecting, I, I don't know, for there to be a massive pit there or something. And he falls all the way down. And whenever he kind of looks up, it seems like he has found the. I guess cave or something that the treasure has been hidden in, which just seems weird that it was like right there the whole time. And, and there's so much like dust kicked up that I'm like, did, did he explode power ranger style? What's <laughs> happening? It looks like he, like he landed on the ground and the ground beneath him collapsed, like but it's not depicted. Yeah, well, maybe that's, I, maybe that's what they're trying to go for in that bottom left panel there. That's a hard buy. Um, but he's like, yeah, the legend's true. And then we cut back to the school. The our uh, UA students are talking to the teacher, and he uh, Ojiro's just like like you know to Hagakari like you they really liked your quirk. Uh, the teacher points says like most of the tykes they they go not nuts over exciting quirks, and she's like it, it is pointed out like yeah, and he has kind of a you know his quirk isn't the flashiest, uh, but he's like yeah, I I'm pretty sure they hated me and. <laughs> And Hagakari's just like, like, don't don't say that. It's just you gave a really ordinary talk. And I will counter that. There was no talk that happened. It had no chance to be ordinary. It, there was no talk that happened. It was, hi, I'm this person. What do you want to know? And they are interrupted by Ikaku. Or, well, he's not yelling for help. People are yelling uh, that Ikaku needs help because he uh, he went into the ruins, they said, and we can't reach him on his phone. So I guess they tried calling it. He never made it home. Uh, and so it's hero heroes to the rescue time. Uh, they I guess they get caught up or maybe Ojiro does get caught up on the the, the theory of the uh, the lost treasure uh, on the island. And uh, they they sound like it's a job for Ojiro and Hagakure. So they do end up at the mouth of the giant temple looking thing uh which whose doorway is a actual literal giant mouth um i love that hagakure's response to see, just seeing the outside of this building is yep gotta be treasure in there <laughs> i'm like convinced that she's more excited about the treasure than even caring about the kid because whenever it's ex like they explain that he is lost in there there's no like oh no poor ikaku we should go save him it's just oh so he found those ruins yeah yeah, I think so. Yeah, like, we got to get over there. You know what I mean? It's not like they're, there. There yeah. was no like, oh, we got to go. Like, we got to get this done. We got to go save that kid. It was just like, oh, he did find those ruins, huh? <laughs> yep. And then, uh, so then they go in. They start looking for him. Um, and 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 then we get kind of like a a a moment where Ojiro thinks that uh, Agakari has like touched his shoulder, and we see it's really a skeleton, like an actual skeleton skeleton um, out of nowhere yeah falls and then he quickly dodges a bunch of spikes that come out of the wall and and oh uh, this is the the running joke that i can't stand like Hagakari's like cliche traps and your cliche reaction um and i'm just like i i hate i hate the ordinary jokes so much they continue he had great reactions not getting shish kebab right why are we talking down to this you would you have been happier if he'd been killed what are you what are you trying to convey to us the thing about this situation that annoyed me the most was ojiro's trying to figure out why hagakure 
was not similarly uh, assaulted by these traps, and she speculates that it's because of her quirks, like booby traps don't detect me. Are are they working on cameras? Yes. These ancient traps. I had the same yeah. thought, like because it's almost implied that they're pressure plates or something, or I, I don't know. I was with you, like that doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> and then I and maybe it was just me with the first one. Um, oh, okay, no, never mind. Um, it. it for some reason, like when he was like, she was like sassing him. I didn't realize he was still in the position with the spikes. I'm like, why didn't, why is he getting caught again? But no, that's him in the same position. That's right, on me. Right. But yeah, so he, he kind of gets out of that situation. And he's like, okay, we need to go. Nothing can stand in our, our way. Um, and we see them going through a bunch of different types of traps and things. And he's, he, they're getting through them pretty efficiently, uh, but they're exhausted after a while like after was it like a spike pit that they have to kind of like rope over um i'm I'm gonna be honest i don't know what the next one is this supposed to be cattails i don't yes like i was gonna say we have the cliche giant like indiana uh, jones ball ball or yeah indiana jones ball then we have the the swinging uh spike balls um and where we get this thing from Hagukar, where she's like, uh, "Make it all alive, and I'll kiss you on the cheek." And and he clearly was too busy trying to not die to hear like everything she said. And he's like, "What did you just say?" She's like, "Uh, you can do it." And he's like, uh, "Oh, okay then." Um. Yeah, I don't know why she changes her tune there. Um, uh, she's she's a little embarrassed. I, yeah, I I'm curious know, what you guys possibly. thought about this. Is it? Are they implying that none of these traps applied to her? Because they kind of yeah. make it seem like she didn't have I, to go through any of this. It was just him. I, because I, I de- she definitely would have had to go across the, the spike pit in the same way. It seems to me like she was also running from the giant boulder. I, I think there's just that hand there that's kind of in a running-ish motion. Um, See, she would have had to dodge the spike balls unless she went first. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I I took this page um, with the gloves floating there, not as her running from that ball at all, but almost like the background panels are flanking her invisible yeah. self, like the montage is behind oh. her invisible body as she's cheering on Ojo through these different situations. She's not. Oh. She's not depicted. That's how I was reading it too, but I but I'm with you, Mark. It doesn't really make sense. Like I was kind of under the impression there was one way forward that they would go together through and like, okay, so maybe the spikes have cameras and they can't see her, so they don't activate. But like she still had to swing across that spike pit. She still had to run from the death ball. Like, why why is it almost as if she doesn't have the same like uh issues that ojiro's had like he looks totally beat oh okay yes. let's because he because he because he's been through a literal right, death but... phase okay okay but but okay let's i i just had this realization Re- let's revisit the cattails uh panel oh no he is oh, being no. tickle tortured in that one. Oh, that's uh <laughs> yeah, that that part I knew, but the the other thing I was like, oh, and she's naked. That's not okay. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't too. realize he was being tickled. That's tortured, what I thought you were getting. But at. yeah, that's uh, that's a little odd. Man, she is naked. So. Yeah, whatever is going on in that panel is not painful. It's it's a tickle torture, definitely. Well, regardless if she had to go through any of this or not, we he ends up about to like give up, I guess, because he just says turning tail, and she's like, but we made it so far already, and so I guess it's implied that he's just given up at this point. 
but he's he's very clearly running in a different direction than they than he came from. So it's it, it's one of those things where it's like, I get I get it. You had a tail pun that you had to work in somewhere. I don't understand why how it was being used. So I took this as him saying he's turning tail, going back the direction that he did come in, precisely because he had experienced enough of these traps and it registered to him. There's no freaking way Kaku made it this far. We've missed him. And so oh, he's going gotcha. backwards. I didn't think of it that way. Well, because you're right. The next panels is Akaku like sitting down on the floor and he's just like, well, what do I do? Like, I can't go any further with my quirk. And Ojiro walks right past him. So maybe he did. And I'm just him. like, how did, how did, like, uh, clearly this kid was not sitting, assuming this is a place that they're, he's doubling back. This kid was definitely not sitting here. Right. Um, last time it's they like passed some Scooby Doo shenanigans where they just like conveniently missed each other. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, it's it, it, he seems to be sitting in like in a, a hallway that kind of goes adjacent, so it's possible he he was simply down that hallway yeah. at that time. But, um, but yeah, he's just sitting there in a perfect little alcove thing, and he's shocked that they're they're here for him. And Ojiro does explain, I didn't think you'd get too deep given all the traps, which is why I think, oh, okay. you know, he, he was like, there's no way he, he's this deep. We, we missed him and turned back around. Uh, Ikaku gets a little indignant here and he says he never asked to be safe. Um, but he does say, but he says, so because your own quirk is so plain, you wanted to become awesome in some other way. Uh, and he says, well, uh, yeah, my dumb quirk just gives me this horn which uh, senses some stuff sometimes, and we saw it. I think we read over it, uh, but before he leaped off the fence, there was a tiny little panel where his horn dinged, I think was the automatopoeia. It just alerted him to the presence of something, I guess. Um, But he says he can't do anything with it, uh, and then they are are assaulted. And this time, Hagakure is also caught up in this, uh, in the the villain's uh, attack here. She is depicted... Yeah, because it's depicted that, like, the ground beneath her is basically crumbling apart. And at first, they're like, more traps? And then she turns around and says, nah, it's him. And it's the dude from the beginning, the first few panels that was on the boat with them. He is apparently shown up here because he wants to also find the treasure. Um, but all he found was traps, traps, and more traps. So I had the realization that it's very likely this was not a very linear, like, place. Like, it could be laid out like a Dungeons & Dragons map where there's probably, oh, yeah, labyrinth, labyrinth, multiple rooms and stuff. So my my comment earlier is a little invalid there, but it sounds like this guy also just got stuck in a bunch of traps and they realize like, oh, wow, you're just some yeah. grave robber. And he's like, yeah, sure am. And now it's time to slam. I like to think he talks like a DJ. I, I, I don't know why. I just I, I have such a, a problem with, with this entire thing because it's like, oh, the guy from the boat, you're just some grave robber. And I'm like, so yeah, so he's a grave robber looking for the treasure in this ancient temple. But if that kid had been able to find it, you would have just been like, oh, wow, that was really brave. We're praising you for doing the exact same thing. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, wow, you just what you guys did is you found somebody who looked a little sketchy and you didn't like. And you you immediately were like, you're a great you're doing a bad thing. You're a grave robber. But if you guys had found the treasure or if this or uh, Ikaku had found it for the exact same thing would have been praised and I'm like, ooh, ooh, there's a double standard here. Oh yeah. That that I didn't that reading through the, the first time I was like, Oh, Ojiro, I have been behind you this entire chapter and now I don't like you. 
And then this guy just attacks them for literally no reason. I don't think I read it like that. Like, I think the way that I kind of assumed this would take place is that, like, if Akaku or, or the students and the and, and the kid had found that treasure, that because he's local, it would be like Indiana Jones finding it and putting it in a museum. Like, it, because he's local and it's their legends, like, it's cool if he finds it. But then, like, this dude's intent was literally to just steal the treasure and turn around and make a profit. So I wonder if it's kind of that, like, Indiana Jones kind of deal where it's like, it's okay if he finds it because it goes in a museum but if grave robbers find it well they make profit so that's bad well i mean th- i mean yes in the knowing what this guy I, actually i just assuming what this guy wants but for all for all we knew he could he could be trying to to find it and might not have like this might be for all we know this might is the first time he used his quirk because he got stuck in a trap <laughs> yeah like like i mean he he probably has been using his quirk to get through this place but it's like based on just this first interaction it's like a lot of conclusions have been jumped to because we're we're almost done with the chapter uh they've all been correct you know conclusions but it's just it's like it's wow so much you know leaping to conclusions here and then as i said he just he just attacks for no reason he hasn't technically done anything illegal up to this point mike frustration with this whole scene was it seems like he's frustrated and overlooking for the treasure entirely and that he's just about to basically raise this temple to the ground but then in a couple pages he's running off saying the treasure's mine <laughs> like he hasn't given up on that after all <laughs> uh, as he continues yeah. to bring the temple down around everybody's ears yeah it feels like it's like a, it's it, what i think it's trying to go for is the greed has like he's so greedy that he's just assuming all these other people are there for the treasure and he's he's attacking them but that that is not the like I, that is what is i think he's going for but it's it's such a muddled execution that i'm like i he, he just seems to attack these people because we need a villain for our heroes to fight and defeat as opposed to i understand what this man's motivation is yeah so his quirk is that everything that he if he touches any rocks they just crumble to dust and he uses it to great effect him he's able to create some distance between himself and the two heroes and also ikaku i suppose and ojiro makes the exclamation that we can't get close not until we stop that quirk of his and hakakuri says that she'll give him an opening so she solar flares him i mean i'm sorry she uses warp refraction um same same thing wait a minute how are they getting light in here that is a great question because she doesn't generate her own light she's literally refracting it and not a single person here has any type of of light or like anything and they're definitely deep in a labyrinth yeah some of them might not even have dark vision clearly or true sight but she does uh, manage to get the solar flare off. Ojiro takes full um, advantage of the opening and just starts laying the beating down on this dude. Uh, he is, and this is, I will say this, um, and, and I think this was true in movie two. Is that, that's the one where Ojiro got in the fight with the uh, Chimera guy on the beach, right? Am I remembering yes. that correct? That fight yeah, was, was dope, and there are times when Ojiro just straight lays a beating down, and it's very well illustrated, and it brings a lot of respect to his character that the other people in Class 1A are unwilling to credit him with. Yes, because he's he is absolutely the hand-to-hand ep- expert, specifically, of the class, because UA doesn't teach hand-to-hand combat, so he knows this from outside, uh, outside of that. Um, 
and it's always cool when we get to when we get to see actual like martial arts stuff in the manga and because we almost never get it yeah and the villain verbalizes a lot of that uh negative sentiment about ojiro's quirk by saying all you've got is that cruddy tail my quirk is way stronger and he's barely able to finish that sentence before he just gets the piss slapped <laughs> out of him by that crummy tail um I and love the slap yeah yeah and this is where Ikaku uh, is thinking aloud, where he says, Tailman stopped him with his quirk. He's actually super strong. And we're like, yes, respect to Ojiro. And we get the hero, the hero, like, just before landing pose from him that goes out, that breaks out of the panels. And it's like, oh, yeah, perfect. I yeah, I don't this. think Ojiro is meant to be a parallel to the Monkey King, but this was a very Monkey King pose, I thought. Like, all he needed here was a bow staff, and he would have been right there. I think that was the intention of the the panel in the pose. I don't think he's he's intended as that, but I think it was here is an easy illusion to make totally. pose wise and you know presentation wise. Um, Ikaku comes to the realization that his quirk is good for something after all because he discovered those ruins. Um, I guess for for the rest of the island, and so he uh, reflects that becoming a hero is all about honing your natural talents. And this is again another definition of hero that Ojiro and Hagakuri seem to be okay with. And Hagakuri explains that Ojiro stands shoulder to shoulder with folks at UA who have got the strongest quirks around. And then she finishes it off with, "So you see, he's just plain awesome." <laughs> they just couldn't not do it, could they? <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, and and. And all I keep thinking about is is this. It's like, okay, we're, it's the whole, like, awesome or normal. Like, I, I think of Pokemon immediately when I'm like, is this, is this supposed to be, like, the joke that it's like, oh, well, normal Pokemon, because, like, that's the illusion, uh, at least how I read it. It's like, oh, just plain awesome. And I'm like, clearly you didn't ever go to Johto and have to deal with Whitney and her Miltech. <laughs> uh, because uh, normal and plain can be... One of the most difficult and terrifying things you've ever dealt with. Man, thinking about, like, you made a really good point earlier, Mark, when you said something about, like, how Ojiro would just hate all of his schoolmates. What if in retrospect, yes. he's the, the traitor, like, the inside, the plant, or whatever, you know, there's that whole, like, conspiracy. It would, I mean, it would make the most amount of sense. I'm, he's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. I wouldn't blame him. I, I wouldn't blame him. Exactly. I wouldn't blame them. They have all been like almost exclusively abusive. It's like all him. the all the writing was on the wall. It's been there the whole time. It's just no one cared. <laughs> he was too that, plain. Yeah, the traitor explanation is funny because it's like if he weren't the traitor, he would have long ago <laughs> left and been like, I don't have to stay yeah. here and take this. <laughs> I just I just everybody's like, oh, but you're so plain. Like you're the traitor. It's like, do you do you not see what you're doing right now? Like do you, do you not understand? <laughs> how much of a like how all 19 of you have constantly bullied me for a year Ooh, plot twist why would i be loyal to you plot twist is that he didn't start out as the traitor but he was readily willing to become one after like a month of being at <laughs> after the sports fest. that's funny that's really funny <laughs> These next few panels really cracked me up because, like, the last, I guess that's really, like, the last two. It seems to be basically Ojiro and um, Hagakuri and then Ikaku on the beach. And Ojiro's sitting on his tail, which I know, like, he does, but these panels are just drawn in a way that kind of crack me up because it looks like he's sitting on one of those, like, little, like, kids' bouncy balls. And I think it he's does. actually... Yeah. Oh my god, she's just standing out in the rain without yeah. any clothes on. She continues to I be think nude. He's also like balancing a book on his tail. 
Uh, is that what's happening in that first panel? I can't no, tell. No, that's if it's that's like, part oh. of his shirt. Oh, okay, okay. It's it's his robe. Oh yeah, that's okay. part of his. To me, key, it looked yeah. like there was like part of like. Oh yeah, it's his leg and his gi. Okay, I see that now. I thought he was balancing a book, and I'm like, oh my god, that would be like perfect. Like you can sit on it. You can as soon as as soon as you pointed that out, I was like, yeah, oh, is that a book? I, I mean, it just it had me going. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's great because it's like him kind of just going through that the whole thing again of like, hey, like I might be more ordinary than others, and I do think about how like my quirk is pretty plain really and uh hagakuri's like oh come on ojiro like i mean tail man you're you're awesome you know and he's like no really i'm fine with that like most of the world's pretty ordinary that's totally okay and in a way that gives me a grounded view and the fact is i'm proud of my quirk and i i really like these next few panels here because uh i think he kind of gets like maybe a little reassurance uh but but hagakuri does this weird thing where she i guess maybe kisses him on the cheek she claims she just pokes him, but we don't really know. Um, well, he he even says that was too soft to be yeah your fingers. But I like what that next heck? panel though with her like glistening in the rain. I thought that was a really cool way to give us something. face reveal. Hagakure yeah, face like, reveal. I thought that was a really cool way to do that. Yep. And we get her and Ikaku no, like, saying, "You're way. awesome, Tailman." Which I'm just now thinking about this. And when I was reading this chapter, I had the thought that Ikaku looked a lot like the Digimon um, that is like the, I, th- I think it's actually named Ikaku, which is the realization I just had. Ikakumon? Yeah, Ikakumon. It, he's literally based off of Ikakumon. Like he's got the That's horn that. and that little uh, fur, uh, uh, the the handkerchief that he's got around his neck is yeah, Ikaku's. Wrong color for the hanku- handkerchief because uh, Ikaku is like a big furry kind of like a. Like dog platypus thing interesting like a like a walrus like a furry walrus yeah yeah uh, with harpoon torpedoes <laughs> yeah that are come out of his horn i would uh i'll point out and, and maybe we should end on this My note hair. that there are other soft parts of hagakuri that she could have booped uh ojiro with i mean i wasn't gonna say it but since you brought it up <laughs> she yeah she is she is nude uh <laughs> but it's not that kind of manga or anime I, that's fair but that brings us to an end for chapter six. Uh, I thought these were these were not bad. Pretty good chapters. If you're into the team up missions, there's a lot of inconsistencies. But like, if you're looking for my hero stuff and you just have to have more, these are good ones to pick up. Yes, I would I would agree with that. I think that's about the fairest thing that can be said about them so far. Um, I would love to be able to say more about them, but it being more my hero content is about as good as it. As, as I'm willing to say, I mean, there's definitely better other My Hero content out there, obviously. Um, yes. Um, I mean, I, I still don't think any of, like, I still think that the uh, the last one from the previous volume, uh, the bonus one with Melissa Shields, I still think that that's the best one that we've read. Oh, yeah. Leaps and bounds. Oh, really? I didn't like that one at all. I didn't like any of the uh, Chapter Three ones. I struggled to get through those. Oh, you you didn't like the like the past Melissa Shields one, <sighs> not the uh, like her with um. May hot to uh, me. Yeah, May. Yeah, I I thought it was okay. It just felt I don't know. It felt irrelevant. I know that maybe that sounds mean, but I just didn't. They didn't do it for me. There was something about all three, or I guess all four, because it's three, three point one, three point two, and three point three. They just fell flat for me hard. Since I didn't get to be on those last two episodes because I couldn't talk, damn it. I'm going to say it now. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Those just, for whatever reason, they didn't do it for me. The first three chapters and these three, I, I would say I've enjoyed to some extent. You know, I've gotten kicks out of certain little things, but those, I just had a hard time getting through them for some reason. So there's my hot take. Interesting. You didn't you didn't need five hours from me, but... Uh, <laughs> on that it. happy note, now you're throwing shade at the length of our episodes. What's oh, going on here? No, no, no. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I... I, I'm just going to give you the 30 seconds feel because I could probably have gone on for five hours as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on those happy notes, uh, Mark, tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter. You can find me at, at ChalionX. That's at C-H-A-L-I-O-N-X. You can find my co-host Luke at, at LJ underscore Hollywood. And you can find uh, my podcast, Hero Notes, at Hero Notes Pod. And you should go yeah. find them because they're awesome. Absolutely. Leave them a kind review. Do the same for us uh, in all of the spaces yes. uh, where you can do that. Find us on Twitter at AlmightyPod. Uh, there is a pin tweet that will also give you access to our Discord where lots of fun discussion takes place. But until next week, this is going to wrap us up for the AMP. We'll see you in just seven more days because, again, scheduling is hard. <laughs> and <laughs> so the bonus is we're coming at you week to week for a little while, but that pattern will break after next week, hopefully, unless we go for three hours on three more chapters again. <laughs> we'll see, see everybody. We'll be right back.